0: Very spooky. Lovely.
1: Lovely. (laughs) I don't know why I
2: wanted to say I'm old Greg i'm old greg this is a picture of bailey's this is a picture of bailey's a little bit closer <laughs> this is a picture of bailey's so close you could child eyes wet. <laughs> i freaking love old greg i'm old greg i'm old greg hello <laughs> hi Do you love me i am playing your love game <laughs> with me this is this is two girls one ghost <laughs> two
1: girls one ghost It always amazes me, sorry, it always amazes me how I know like one line from old nostalgic videos and you'll like repeat the line and then I don't know and all of a sudden you can verbatim go line by line (laughs) and you just keep going. And sometimes I just have to sit here
2: and be like in awe of where, like, where do you keep all this information? it's, It's in the spot that it should be removed from for me to be able to remember normal English and most other things that come out in this podcast where I'm like, what's the name? What's the word? Who's the person? It's all just YouTube videos from like 2005 through, uh, honestly, I'm, through Vine. It was like YouTube to Vine, and that took up all my memory. I'm just I was so actually impressed. just tell- telling – um, or Brian just told me the other day because I posted a video, and I was like, nature is pretty neat. And then he's like, oh, you misspelled nature. And I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> Because, have you what, Did you see that? You YouTube spell it video? Nietzsche? Nietzsche? Ugh. It's like no one's seen this video, and yet they have millions of views on YouTube. It was from like 2000, I don't know, 10. Okay, or but whatever. to be fair,
1: it's in your defense, because I'm gonna to come to it. The sentence was "nature's pretty neat," so you spelt it like Nietzsche's.
2: Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Yes, yeah. It's an amazing video. I made Brian and my dad sit through a three-minute-long YouTube video to watch it. Of I was cackling. They're like not laughing, and I was like, oh, "Okay, I guess this is something that it's mostly funny when you're 14." But it <laughs> or, still lives you know, in my 28. Heart. It's fun. <laughs> or right now that's basically why our podcast is named what it is mm-hmm. too because, because we are mature adults just sticks in your heart when you're 13 14 yes yeah yeah uh this is two girls one ghost two girls
1: one ghost i think we did this already hello
2: again we didn't yeah we did we totally whispered oh okay <laughs> as you're saying my memory is good
1: And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. And I'm Sabrina. And the next episode, we will be together.
2: Yeah. We're going to film it from the hotel. So by the time this comes out, oh, yes, the next episode that we record will be together, the next encounters. And then this episode comes out a few days after our live show. Yeah. So – so imagine We are so happy with how it went. Riding
1: our high. I, yeah. It <laughs> yeah. went really well. We
2: hope you guys enjoyed it. It went so well. Safoot so well. paid a visit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we can say that because no one else, no one else until, is watching. Because no one else is watching. Um, yeah, and we're really, you know, just so stoked about like I don't know what to say. Can I'm I it's so funny rambling. that you just
1: spoke that way because Corinne, you came onto screen. Picture this. I'm like do do do, getting ready, setting up, and then your face pops up on the screen, and you look like a beautiful like surfer girl mermaid. And so like the way that you were like so oh, stoked, I was like, yes, you are a little sad. California girl at heart.
2: Totally. <laughs> this is my natural hair when I don't do it. It's beautiful, but thank you. I think it looks okay because the right side is a little bit better. The problem with this hair is that I always love the underside because it's like weight. Mine does that too. And then the top is flat. Yeah. And I don't know how to fix it. It's just like straight hair on Maybe top.
1: get some good product.
2: Oh, I mean, I had my hairdresser get me the huge bottles of Olaplex. I
1: love Olaplex.
2: I do Olaplex, Living Proof, Oribe. Like I But I mean like a post shower. Got. Like some there's gotta be like
1: some mousse or something that you can put in oh, to help yeah. maintain I the mer- the Merls. Merls, the curls. Yeah. The mermaid curls. If
2: anybody has extremely low porosity hair and wavy hair. Please help me because you just said a couple words moisture. that
1: went over my head.
2: There's a porosity test. I learned everything from TikTok now. There's a porosity test where you can see how porous your hair is, meaning like how much moisture your hair keeps in. Oh. And based on that, you have to match your products that you use to your hair type. Whoa. And so there's a bunch of quizzes you can take online. But the easiest way to figure out your porosity. Is if you take like a strand of hair, you don't have to pluck it from your head. You can just grab it from the ground or whatever, or your hairbrush, and you put it in a cup of water. Okay. And you leave it for a few minutes. Okay. And when you come back, if your hair is still floating on top, that means you have low porosity because the hair isn't taking in any moisture. It's just like dry and like chilling at the top. (laughs) If it's normal, it's floating in the middle. And if it's if it's high porosity, did I mix those things up? If it's high porosity, it's at the very bottom because it's oh. sucked in all the moisture and now it's heavy. So it floats down to the Whoa. bottom. Oh. Okay. I'm gonna try this. So yeah. And that's about the extent I know of my like, knowledge. I'm getting there.
1: This feels like something that would be at a science fair in middle school and I love it.
2: Yeah. Oh, that is a fun test. That's it for all the people of kids out there. That's like a good yeah. little. Did you ever do the thing where you put you put like pepper? And dish soap in a dish, and they run from each other.
1: No, oh, i have really never fun. seen that.
2: Yeah, I don't remember anything uh, in terms of what it means. But it's just really cool to see. And this has
1: been Science Hour with Two Girls One Ghost.
2: Yeah, you're one percent science, just like one percent history. <laughs> it's like the tidbit that we remember, and absolutely nothing else. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. Everything is great. Do you ever drink so much coffee that you feel ill and like you're going to throw up, but you won't let yourself stop until you finish the whole thing? I have done the first part, but not the second part. Oh, okay. I'm I'm nauseous.
1: So I do you want me to yell at you to stop drinking your coffee? Because I don't want you to go throw up in the middle of this episode.
2: No, it won't work. I don't listen to anyone. <laughs>
1: I don't listen to do anyone. I, I don't even listen to myself.
2: <laughs> I don't. My body saying stop drinking. No. I bought this. I paid for it. I'm like, this is where I get cheap. I'm like, I paid $4 for this iced coffee. So I'm going to drink all of it. Because right now I've only had a dollar eighty worth. So got to keep going. So
1: I will do that. But then I'll save the other half. In the fridge. This is coffee from yesterday that I put in the fridge,
2: and now I'm drinking it as iced coffee today. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love iced coffee the most. I drink it all year round. Do you switch to hot coffee in the winter? I love hot coffee.
1: Leia is chatty, and I think she wants to be in my lap, so come here.
2: Let's see. Come on, Leia. She ran away. Oh, well. You should get one of those baby carriers that you can... Put, Put her in, 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 in front. here.
1: Yeah. I do didn't have you like a that, little,
2: or would she freak out? Kangaroo pouch in my so, overalls. That pocket, I would argue, is not the appropriate size for Leia, <laughs> but is the appropriate size for a kitten. Oh, so it means I must get a kitten. Yeah, exactly. Earlier today,
1: I was like going around like this with my phone just in my pocket like this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is the perfect way to secretly like film someone.
2: Oh, it is. I didn't even think of that. But those pockets are so epic. I went to in Boston. They have the head of the Charles. It's basically just like different types of regattas a couple times a year. Mm-hmm. And I went to the one this past fall. And I was wearing overalls too. In the pocket in the front of overalls is life changing. I had my wallet in there. I had my cell phone best. in there, and I had my beer in there. I was free hands. I was. I mean, I looked real top. It's heavy, like cargo but pants. I didn't Care exactly, but right on your chest. Keeping everything close to the heart.
1: All of and it. Like it. And this is why I want to be buried in them because when I am a ghost, I'm going to <laughs> require many uh utensils and tools. Right.
2: It's utility pants, it but is. just a whole whole body. But full they're body cute version of it. Yeah. They are very yeah. cute. Yeah. Ghost fashion. So I've always said you have the best the best fashion. Actually I was thinking I think today if you had a,
1: about mm-hmm. how we should do a TikTok segment where it's our ghostly skincare. And I just end up doing my Voldemort makeup
2: instead of like
1: real skincare.
2: <laughs> Wait, you should. That's so funny. I love that. How did you do your nose again? Did you do band-aids or something? I did
1: masking tape. Actually, I did it like this. So I masking taped my nose down like this. Yeah. And then I <laughs> drew the t- – and then it was funny because I couldn't really breathe. So I put like a little like – went like this with my pinky under the tape. So there's like a little like breathing room.
2: A tiny little, a and tiny little hole. And
1: then I drew the nostrils oh my gosh. on.
2: Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I was screaming when you FaceTimed me in your Voldemort outfit. It was because you called me twice. And the first time I didn't pick up. And the second yeah. time I was like, I was like, I feel like I should really pick up right now. Yeah. 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 And then you just were like <laughs> making your little Voldemort face. <laughs> it
1: was so good. Oh, oh man. Gosh, we start we need to start thinking about what we're doing for Halloween this year. So if anyone has ideas, I know. Please comment below because this is on YouTube now. Hello. Hi. And also email us ideas, because I don't know how to one-up Voldemort. That's hard. Voldemort? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And we're not going to be most likely together on actual Halloween, but we will be together. We're going to do – you're going to come here, I think, in October. I am coming there. We're going to chill together in the Boston area. Yes. So, I mean, we could still theoretically put on our costumes. And like walk around. 100%. And we
1: could maybe do some events and I don't know, knock on wood, guys, maybe more live shows.
2: Maybe. Let's hope. Let's hope that whatever happened a few days ago went really well.
1: Okay. Well, should I find out? (laughs) Yeah. Magic 8-Ball. Okay. Let's see. Magic 8-Ball. Magic 8-Ball. And all the spirits of the universe who are with us in this Magic 8-Ball. Will Corinne and I be doing more live shows? Or what's the more specific question
2: in in uh, within this calendar year? Within
1: this calendar year,
2: spirit. And then the follow up question: if it says no, is next calendar year? <laughs> what do we have?
1: Uh, cannot predict now.
2: Oh, screw that! I'm gonna go get my crystal. Hold on.
1: Okay, I'm a gonna pendulum. keep. I'm gonna keep shaking it until it gives me the answer I want.
2: You do that. I'm gonna. Go okay. It. Yeah, I'm gonna get a
1: pendulum. Wow, Karen has gone. <gasps> oh, this one says, "As I see it, yes," because this is how it works, of course. I, I can't, but I can hear your little voice. Okay. okay. It, it, now all it says, right, I'm going to try to hold it. Now it says, as I see it, yes. I'll take that. Okay.
2: Well, that's extremely favorable. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. We didn't. Um, do you remember the when I was asking the pendulum a bunch of questions about myself? And then I was like, do you want me to ask it questions about you? Yeah. And every single time I asked it, it completely stopped moving. Because it hates me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was trying to, like, I literally propped up my phone and I was filming to basically be like, all right, Sabrina, here are the answers to your questions. And I've never seen the pendulum so damn still in my life. It was like the universe doesn't support Sabrina
1: right now, so we can't answer the phone right now.
2: I think it was more of just like a mind your own business, Corinne. Yeah, but I wanted Corinne. Sabrina wants to know. Should I bring this to L.A.? Yes, it's a good idea. So you can ask it. I would love to. Okay. Okay. I'm nervous. TSA won't take it, right? No. Actually, I get I get through TSA with a knife almost every single time. Corinne, this is recorded. (laughs) What? Okay, well, it's I. It's not like a normal metal knife. It's the GoGuarded ring. Okay. The one that is for runners, yeah. and like geared or marketed towards female runners. I don't know what it's made from. It's like, that thing is, it's dangerous. I don't purposefully bring it, but I often forget it wherever it is in one of my bags or purses, and it mm. has gone with me on the plane multiple times. Meanwhile, I get pulled over every time, pulled over, every time I
1: bring my microphone anywhere. Oh, me too. Okay, let's ask it
2: but Yeah, it looks suspicious Okay, so normally I think when you use a pendulum You're supposed to be basically say like, tell me yes Or like, show me yes, show me no But here's the thing, every single time It goes up and down for yes And back and forth for now So I'm going to try to be really, really still Okay Okay, I'm like holding my breath In this calendar year, will Sabrina and I do more live shows? Isn't this creepy?
1: It is I can't tell where it's going I said no <laughs> Okay, thank you, Spirit. We don't appreciate your answers right now, but thanks.
2: Okay, all right. Well, you know what? Moving Here's on. The thing. You can change your own future and manifest. So we'll see. Yeah, we're in control of our own <laughs> destiny. And we
1: will move on from this sad segment of what the heck just happened with two girls and one ghost. Okay. Okay. Corinne, you're first this week, but this is another topic picked by our our Patreon donor. This one is picked by Kat and Mm -hmm. it is funeral homes.
2: Funeral homes. Yes. Yes. Which, okay, before we even start that, I'm going to read an email. So we got an email from our listener, Sierra, and there's a lot more that I did not understand in terms of terminology when it comes to like mortuaries versus funeral homes versus like all of these things. And so I found this email after already doing my research and I didn't tell you about it either. (laughs) So what we're about to say... There's probably going to be some things that we get mixed up when it comes to terminology, but we're going to learn now so the listeners can fill in or correct what we say as we go. Future us. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So really quick. So Sierra emailed us. She's a new listener and wanted to write in after listening to Job Hauntings. She is a biomedical and forensic photographer for a large county in Michigan Whoa. and works at, at a medical examiner's office mostly in the autopsy suite but occasionally will go out to death scenes with investigators, medical legal death investigators different from law enforcement. But basically, she's in the field and she understands what's going on. Okay, well, Sarah, we I get want a lot of our information all
1: about your job. We might need to call right? you. Right, it
2: sounds super cool. Yeah. Okay, but she writes I'm writing in to give some clarification. I feel like there are a lot of terms thrown around regarding the death industry that people think are interchangeable. <laughs> I definitely did, yes, but really we are aren't. Guilty. You guys talked about mortuary hauntings, which I loved, but I think there are some medical examiner slash coroner office stories mixed in. You see, mortuaries are funeral homes, and they would not be doing autopsies, i.e., finding cause and manner of death. Funeral homes transport embalm and prep bodies for funerals and burial they work closely with a medical examiner slash coroner's office because they will pick up bodies there after autopsy medical examiner offices slash coroner offices are the ones actively figuring out how someone died they are the ones doing actual autopsies to find cause and manner of death hospitals also have morgues and will do autopsies so a mortician would not be performing an autopsy But they would be embalming someone and do whatever else is needed for the funeral. Also, in my experience, if a family member has to come in and identify the body, that would be done at a medical examiner slash coroner's office, Mm -hmm. not at the mortuary slash funeral home. Once a body is at the funeral home, the family has already been in contact with them and made all necessary arrangements. Like I said, though, I work at a large county with many cities, so maybe it's different in smaller counties slash cities or in rural areas. And then she said, death is such a taboo subject in America, and I always want to clarify things for people to help them understand what I do and what happens after we die. I think it's a fascinating field to work in, and I wouldn't choose anything else. I hope this was okay to write in about. It definitely was. Yeah, Maybe one day I'll have a ghostly experience to write in about because how can a ME's office not be haunted? Okay, so this was super helpful, Sarah. (laughs) I do feel like I – I'll
1: likely forget. I feel like because I worked on Prodigal Son and Adresa was a medical examiner and we were in that world a lot, I ended up learning a lot more about this industry. So it totally makes sense. Like mortuary and funeral homes are the like burial and like – death services mm. process
2: i thought that morticians and autopsy techs in, and coroners were essentially all the same thing so this helped yeah me.
1: i do wonder my but one I've, question is like what degrees is it a similar degree that they all have to have or is there mm, or not i don't know because remember yeah, and, and i'm, I'm assuming think we probably have talked about this on the podcast like three years ago there were there was like all these news stories about and now I'm not sure if they were mortuaries or morgues or what the situation was or ME offices, but like there were such small towns, like kind of spread out within the United States that like they were hiring the butchers mm-hmm. to become the again, I'm not sure the specific term of those new yes. stories, but like to become like the town's mortician or right. ME. And they didn't have any like real expertise. And then there were that there was that one place that they found the guy
2: was like Frankensteining bodies. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I almost forgot about that. Yeah. And there was just so many. Like, do you remember all the drones that were going over? And just, yeah, there were, like, bodies stacked in the back. It was really disturbing. So disturbing. There was. I almost actually chose. So for this, we said haunted funeral homes Mm -hmm. slash morgues. I almost chose for this a morgue or a funeral home that had basically like shut down because there were a ton of dead bodies like found abandoned there like many years after they had shut the place down. That just weren't taken care of. But I didn't do that one because I think that was basically like the most disturbing and scary part. That is disturbing. There was no, I couldn't find actual ghost stories from the place. It would have been just more like like the gruesome stories. Something Mm -hmm. I'm
1: so Mm -hmm. fascinated by, and if anyone of our listeners works at or knows anything about these, please tell me more. They're called Body Farms, and it's Basically, yes. like, bo- like you donate your body to science, and they like try they put your body in different way places, or not yours, like, but they put bodies in different experiments, technically, to see how they decompose, and it helps them solve crimes later down the line.
2: Right, because you can see how it a- interacts with different like weather and elements and soil types and and fauna and whatever. Or like it's really, really fascinating non
1: natural substances. Exactly, yeah.
2: Is there more than one? For some reason I when people say the body farm, I always thought it was just one place. I would imagine there's got to be more
1: than one just for like climate sake and resources, but yeah. I don't know. Especially cuz like say you donate your body to science and the body farm is not nearby you, not necessarily that you would have to go to mm-hmm. a body farm, but like that would mess with the control, right? If you're being shipped cross country then you're not following the decompos- decomposition properly.
2: Yeah. True. Yeah. But what I do know. I know? So this is but why this, I'm, is, this is a me- call to action. Right. Have you ever been donated in your past life to the body farm? Please let us know what happened. Are you a ghost at a body farm? Please call in. <laughs> oh, yeah, it very it is interesting. There's a book and I haven't read it yet, but it's called Stiff I'm pretty sure I downloaded the audiobook, but I'm fearful that I'll faint while listening oh. to it. But I think it's all about what happens, like, in rigor mortis and basically, like, post-death and yeah. decomposition to bodies. So we could probably learn a bit there as well. Okay. Oh, also, San Diego right now has a exhibit on cannibalism. And I may or may not go. I don't know. It also feels like something I'll faint at. <laughs> On but cannibalism, I think me and Marissa might go. Yeah, yeah. She was like, "Do you want to go to the mu- the museum about cannibalism?" It sounds kind of seems like something you'd be interested in doing. <laughs> and I was like, "I mean, if there are photos of it, then no. But if we're just like learning about the psychology of it and history of it, then yes."
1: That's like but the best I can't, I can't look compliment at the pics. ever to be like, "You look like the type <laughs> of girl who would like to go to a cannibalism museum.
2: Will you come with me?" <laughs>
1: Yes.
2: Oh, God. What does that say? I mean, I feel like people. People already know who we are. Okay.
1: So anyway, what did you pick?
2: (laughs) Okay. So we are going to venture over to Ohio, and I'm going to tell you about the most longstanding and successful black-owned funeral home in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh! It was the city's second oldest black-owned funeral home and was reported as the largest in the state. And this is the House of Wills. Oh, so I'm going to tell you all Wilkes? about like
1: Wilkes. Wills.
2: No, Wills. Like, do you do you have the will to live? Oh, uh, <laughs> some days. Can you, can you use it in a sentence, please? Um,
0: <laughs> do you okay. want an answer to
2: that question? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I probably could have picked a nicer sentence. Or but just that's where my mind it, is right it now. <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, W I L L S. Got it. Okay, copy that. <laughs> I'm with you now. Walter Wills first arrived in Cleveland, Ohio in 1899 after graduating from Antioch College. And he was a son of former slaves and was one of the f- 18 black men who were brought into the city to work as strike bearers for the Cleveland Street Ra- Railway Company. Wow, I'm stuttering a lot already. So there was a strike that happened at this railway company, and it led to most people essentially being fired, including Walter. Mm. So he lost his job after basically moving there for this job after college. And so then he was kind of like, okay, what do I want to do with my life? What what career choices can I make? Right. All while you know, trying to keep in mind that he is a black man in the late 1800s in Ohio who is the son of former slaves and has a family of his own and he's really trying to like do well and and establish himself and yeah. you know start to build good resources and involve his community as well. So he's got a lot riding on him and like in his on his plate and in his mind when choosing what he's going to do. Totally. So he dabbles in a few other potential careers, the possibility of becoming a physician. He then looks into insurance. And I probably didn't have to include this, but I want to because it makes me mad. So he did end up landing an insurance job at Mutual Life in New York. But when signing contracts and getting ready to be essentially onboarded onto the job, the manager told him that mutual agents could only sell policies to white people. And Walter then realized that this man didn't realize that he was a black man. And so he, he told this manager that he was black. And so he was like, I don't, oh, I'm not no. okay with this. And the manager was like, oh, okay, well, what? Okay, let's just strike that from the record. Tell me basically any other ethnicity, and we'll be good to go. And he was like, I'm not, no, I have way more pride than that. So Walter had to walk away from it, but luckily for him, he came across, uh, well, he experienced that in a lot of his job searches and similar scenarios, which is just absolutely horrifying. Yeah. But he finally ended up at a Massachusetts bank that had anti-discrimination laws, so he was able to work there. And while working at this bank, he also attended Cleveland Law School at night. So he was in insurance, going to law school, had already graduated college. Was still trying to figure it out, but also, like, collecting – Hustling. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. a lot of education and, and good connections. So then an interesting opportunity arose in 1904. He received a letter from William Gee, a new mortician who needed a partner. And so the two men worked out an agreement and opened the Gee and Will's funeral home. Okay.
1: I'm just imagining, like, William Gee – is that his name? Yes. Just sending blind letters to a bunch of people. Like, or I know they probably had some connection, but I'm now imagining a scenario yeah. where I just find people's names in the phone book and I just send letters to them and see if they want to be my partner in life.
2: Yeah, but also, me uh, yeah, perhaps, but also I don't know how it worked back then. Maybe it was just kind of like anyone who works in insurance or has bank yeah. connections or yeah. a certain level of education, you're kind of just like, who will give me money here? Yeah. Who will take a chance who on Who will me? work with me? It's like the, the original versions of... Hi, sharks. Here's my idea. (laughs) Will you join me? (laughs) But yeah, he just mailed out a letter. But Walter was like, yeah, man, let's do it. So they went in on a funeral home together. And Walter then transformed his deceased father-in-law's house into the mortuary. Downstairs was the funeral parlor. And upstairs was a home where he and his wife, Alberta, lived and their family. Okay. So... Walter Wills and his partner, William McGee, did not make this an ordinary funeral home. This is why I chose this place because it's actually very, very cool. okay. So Walter thought that funeral homes were much too glum and depressing and sad and made everyone upset. Yes. So they decided that they were going to make theirs as bright and as beautiful as possible. Vibrant, dancing colors to honor all of the amazing people who passed and to celebrate their lives rather than mourn their death. And this is early 1900s. So yeah, I don't think so anyone has probably ever done this. Yeah. Very. Yeah. So just a couple of years in, Walter's partner, William Gee, passes away, and Walter's left to run the business on his own. So he moves the business to a larger building, so out of his his late father-in-law's house and into a larger building, and he leans on his family to help him out a lot. His sisters, Anna and Mary, were funeral attendants. His son, Walter Jr., helped as a teenager before becoming more permanent, a uh, fixture in the business in adulthood. And Walter soon bought his own carriage and a team of horses named Barney, Richard, and Colonel. Oh. And then he also purchased a car as well, making Walter the first black mortician in Cleveland to own a funeral limousine. I'm, I love it. The I horses. love this. This is also just such
1: an empowering story. Yeah. And totally. It reminds me of anytime I talk about funeral homes, which is apparently a lot. <laughs> I think of the show Six Feet Under. If you've never seen it, it is so good.
2: I haven't. Okay. I haven't. So good. Okay. Michael C. This Hall. This is reminding
1: – Who else? There's a bunch of people in it, but it's really, really good.
2: I love Michael C. Hall. Yeah. I need to watch it. You would like it. This is reminding me of when my aunt and uncle had lived in a retirement community – while their house was getting built. And I was biking around with them. And we were like biking in one guy. Or my uncle was like, hey, how's it going to one guy? And the guy was like, oh, woke up on the right side of the grass today. So pretty good. <laughs> and it was the funniest joke I'd ever heard. I was like, <laughs> cackling, almost broke my bike. so good. But yeah, I love we all want to be this side of the ground yeah. for as long as we can be comfortably. So Walter was making a name for himself. He built this beautiful, colorful funeral home. And there were some other traditions that were a little bit old and antiquated or just didn't make sense to Walter. So he broke them and replaced them. So, for example, one of these things was that the city's – he was the city's very first undertaker to stop hanging black crepe fabric in the doorway of the home of the deceased, which I hadn't even known was a thing. So basically, if, if you died, the funeral home would come and hang a black – or so someone would – but I think the funeral home would hang a black curtain to basically – it's Insinuate. almost like like lowering a flag, being so, like someone has passed here.
1: I read a book, and I'm blanking on the name, Orphan Something – Orphan Cle- The Orphan Collector. I just read this, and it takes place in like 1920s-ish. When the plague first hit, or not first, like, when the plague hit um, Philadelphia, and Mm -hmm. when people were dying from the plague, they were doing that on their doors. Like, if someone died, they put black, or then they would put white if people were still alive. Like, they would use different colors to insinuate, like, what was happening inside their doors.
2: Oh, that's kind of – that's – feels very apocalyptic to basically have to wave a white flag to be like, I'm still in here. Yeah. It's a little scary. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I guess that was – I don't know if that's a practice anywhere else in the world still, but it definitely was a thing. Yeah. Okay. So he was like, that's we're, – we're done with that. So <laughs> instead, he, he purchased – floral wreaths made by various black florists in the community and placed those in the doorway instead. That's much more positive. Much more positive. And also involving the community. Yeah. Right? Supporting people. You know, yeah. he's got multiple businesses and, and entrepreneurs now that he's purchasing these florals from. Yeah. So- I think he did a great job. Yes. Good job, Walter. In 1935, he again had to move buildings. There was, let me preface this by basically every single time he moved buildings, it had something to do with the housing authority. The housing authority would be, basically be like, you're kicked out. We're, we're so going to put condos here or do this or that. And there were a few times where people really tried to fight for for Walter and his funeral home. But yeah, he basically lost every single time and just had to like... So how many downstairs. times did he move? I don't know, like three or four times, I think. Jeez. Yeah. So in 1935, he moved buildings again, and he spent a lot of effort and money remodeling this new funeral home. He added mosaic tiles, oil paintings, expensive murals, colorful furniture, dazzling chandeliers, and this spot became known as House of Wills. Mm-hmm. So everyone started nicknaming it that. It was now his... his basically like the newest version of his funeral home after pretty much establishing himself as a lone funeral. So was home he still for in, many years
1: in business with William Gee cuz that's also a will. So well, will wills.
2: Yeah, I'm sweating. Um take it off. No, William Gee passed away oh. a couple of years into the owning the funeral home. Gotcha. Okay. So yes, so they owned the first funeral home together. Which was, or they started the business together. Yeah. I don't know how it, if how the business worked out in the end when mm-hmm. when William Gee passed away. If if Walter had to like buy out his his half or something, I don't really know how it how it worked out. But basically, like after they left, after Walter passed, that's when they moved for the first time and have moved a few times since. So the only time they owned the funeral home together was when it was Walter's, his late stepfather's house. There's okay, a lot of moving parts, but okay, it's most the majority of the time. This funeral home is Walter and his family. They only William and Walter only had the funeral home together for two years. Gotcha. I have a question yes. for you, Corinne. Mm-hmm. When I die, who would you like? I was tr- <laughs> my face. You weren't looking, but I immediately went. Uh oh, she's going to ask me about her death. <laughs> I was prepared for it. You were like, uh, I don't hey, know. It is the look on my what face you that say? you could tell. Yes. I know where this is going. Do you? (laughs) I don't know. Oh. Are you going to ask, like, is Nick going to replace
1: you or something? (laughs) That's close. I was going to ask, who would you like me to put – I can make a verbal will right now. Okay. The second half of the podcast. Do you want me to burden you with the fact that you have to now do the podcast by yourself and that will be in my will? Or should I – bequeath my role onto someone else.
2: I feel like the right thing to do would be to just dissolve the podcast. (laughs) I can't keep going if you're... Dead, Sabrina. But oh what if
1: what if in my will I say, Corinne, you must continue the podcast until I, from the other side, gain enough strength to come through and communicate with you and continue the podcast from the other side, but you must continue it until it happens. This
2: feels very Harry Houdini I know, I was you. just thinking that. And if that were the case, mm-hmm. then yes, I would continue it. And I think that, here's the thing, I wouldn't want to fully replace you because I feel like that would be... Your spirit might feel spited by that or, <gasps> oh, or that you're like – Spiteful Sabrina? Spirit Spiteful form? Sabrina. Yes. Wow. I just feel like it would be harder like if you start to build a connection Who's and, my... and whatnot with one other person. I think yeah. we'd have to have like guests. Okay. It would just be like a series of mediums. Just every single episode a new medium would be on to, to have the ability for you to come through. I have another idea. Who is my ne- – mm-hmm. I need to create a nemesis. I need to find a nemesis
1: in this <sighs> world. And when I – and I will also be their nemesis. It's going to be a mutual nemesis situationship. Okay. And when I die, I'm going to leave my role in this podcast to my nemesis because I want to be a spiteful spirit. I think that will give me more energy in the spirit world. So I'm setting myself Is up. Is there
2: someone who's given you a really tough time about believing in the paranormal? Like a – like a mean skeptic. Someone who's like, you're so stupid and naive. There's not no yet. There's ghosts.
1: But I am accepting applications.
2: Okay. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see we'll what see. happens. <laughs> Hopefully not. But okay. If I die, Sabrina, yeah. my wish for the podcast is for you to stop this podcast and put all of your efforts... Into making the best sleepy time ghost story podcast there ever was because I've been asking for that for four years. <laughs> so this is my will for you to okay. feel guilted into doing it. Okay, we'll shake on it. I just need a constant. <laughs> I love how now that we have video, we like <laughs> pretend to shake and reach across the room. Also, I am sweating so bad. My underboob sweat is unreal. I'm like trying to we make sure that see the video it though. Is so you're okay. below. Okay. Yeah, I'm blocking with the iPad. Yeah. Hall righty Hall Friday. So they've moved, they've redone this funeral home. It is dazzling, just so gorgeous. <laughs> but then during the Great Depression, Walter Wills converts his third floor into a food pantry for those in need. Ugh, so love him. he is doing way more than just the, the normal list of things to do for a funeral He's home. really He's serving a huge the part of his community. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. So for many people who were unable to pay for funerals at the time as well during the Great Depression, he conducted them at no cost. Ugh. He allowed the home to be used for many black civic events. It was a place for music recitals. It was a gathering space. Walter was super involved politically. He was on many, many boards. He invested in insurance companies that would write mortgages for black people. He engaged the community and took care of them. And the community took care of him in return. Wow. So the House Harmonious of Molds was not just like a, oh, we hope we never end up there. It was, yeah, it was special. Yeah. Oh, I want to read the sentence. I wrote... It's so much better than what I just said, but it's basically the same sentiment. I wrote, this is not some scary house with dead people at the end of the street. This was not the how- home little kids dared each other to go up to. This was not the place that people feared ever finding themselves at. This funeral home was a symbol of community, strength, and life. That is a beautiful sentence. Which it really was. Yes. So Walter did a great, great job yeah. engaging his community. Then again, despite everybody's annoyance, he has to move the funeral home once more. Stop. The housing authority came in and said, "Get out!" And he was like, oh. At that uh, point, it feels so, targeted,
1: which is annoying to me.
2: Uh, well, it probably was.
1: Yeah, hate that. <laughs>
2: hate that. Okay, so he moves, but this is this is to our benefit because mm-hmm. he moves to a huge, fifty thousand square foot Gothic style building. <gasps> this is a forty-two room building. So Walter now oh my gosh, has the largest black forty-two rooms. I'm it's gonna Google massive. It. Oh well, yeah. You're gonna you, when you Google it, you're gonna be like, "This can't be right," but it is because okay. remember he's very into interesting decor, which I'll I'll talk about in a second. Okay. So he moves to this massive, massive building. He now has the largest black funeral home in the whole state of Ohio. Previously, this place, this building had been a German singing club and then a hospital for immigrants and then a Hebrew institute and now it is the new House of wills. I see your face you're looking at the pictures of it, so it's again yeah <laughs> he remodels it to to add a little flavor, add a little spice with his decor. And he themes all of the rooms. There's a 60s themed room with a shag rug, a kidney-shaped table, and a half-moon couch called the Dream World Room. There's a room filled with dolls. There's a Greek-style chapel with large columns and decor. There's a casket showroom called the Cloud Room. A blue and yellow Egyptian slumber room with sphinx sculptures, engraved columns, stucco decor, and Egyptian motifs. And there were just so many more rooms like this, like everything. Yeah, it was something. Okay, the kidney-shaped
1: table is my favorite because that is, it's very punny to me. I'll show. Okay,
2: (laughs) yeah, super cool. It was awesome. Is it pink still? I mean, do you know? Um, I believe so. It was abandoned. Well, I'll get to it, but it was abandoned and it's being restored currently. So, okay. I it's I think beautiful. if it's not if it's somehow not pink right now, it will, pro- will likely end up pink again because the person who purchased yeah. it is trying to bring it back to its former glory. Okay.
1: I love that that yeah. is, I love when someone purchases something and decides to restore it because Right. It probably would be easier just to like demolish it and rebuild, but for them to be like this was such a historical place. Let's pay yes. homage to it. it. Warms my little cold heart.
2: Yes. Yeah. Well. Yeah. To your point, too. I'll, I'll talk about it in a in a minute. But it definitely would have been easier for him, to, the new owner, to knock it down. And I'll tell you why in a second. Okay. But okay. So <clears throat> this place is it's basically a theme park now. Like imagine being a little mm-hmm. kid and having to go to this funeral home and feeling like oh no. I'm about to experience something so sad because my relative passed or friend passed or something. But then you're just like in the coolest rooms ever. It just helps helps lift you up again yeah. a little bit. And also, they used a lot of these rooms for community-based events. So it was much more than just going and deciding what to do Yeah. in terms of arrangements for your loved ones. Yeah. This place held up to eight funerals in one day and employed 50 people. <laughs> I always picture funeral homes as like... I don't know having maximum 5 people which I could be completely wrong but I was like this place is huge.
1: Yeah, It's I like guess, a middle school. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've only been to one funeral home and then I've the, all the other funerals I've been to are like in churches. But yeah, mm. it was small, like very very small.
2: Yeah. Is that the hearse backing up to your door it, right now? It might be. I hear the, beep. <laughs> My nemesis is here to <laughs> kill me. It's a colonel in the other two horses, Cleveland, and I can't remember all of their names. <laughs> all right. So Walter lives a, a nice long life, creates this amazing place for his community, is so well-loved. House of Wills is like the place to be. <laughs> the place to die. Everybody loves him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yes. to live and to die. Yeah. Because you do a lot of both in that place. So he passes away in 1967, and his adopted son keeps the business going. He expands it. They have two locations now operating at once. Wow. But this location, the one that you just looked at photos of and that we'll post on our Instagram, this location was shut down in 1996 and was abandoned. 1996, you said? 1996, yeah. So it operated for quite some time. Okay. So let me remind myself. Let me scroll up. To do, 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 I did not put dates, but sometime after, sometime during the Great Depression, yeah, oh, so or a very long time is when they had to move into the new space, okay, yes. So it did operate for a very long yeah. time in this specific building, so it shuts down in 1996 and it's abandoned. And the home starts to fade. It starts to deteriorate. People break in. They steal all of the copper wiring. There's flooding. There's natural disasters. A lot of weather that goes in that messes up everything that's there. There are thieves walking through, probably plenty of teenagers and just like whoever going in and messing things up and whatnot. So it's a disaster inside. Old body bags and embalming fluids are strewn throughout the rooms. Old papers and records. Are littering tables and the floors, collections of items belonging to the the deceased are still there, like out in the open for basically anyone to take. And the once fanciful and lively decor is turned a bit more macabre, a bit more decrepit. Dancing around your nightmares. The kidney-shaped table haunting your dreams. Turns into a real kidney. It feels like, we've talked about it before, where there's these things called like the back rooms, where people essentially say back rooms are, are like a version of- what happens beyond the the like simulation that we're in, where mm-hmm. you're like stuck on the in between? The photos of this when it's abandoned, which I know you saw a few of them when you were looking. This feels like a back room to me. Yeah, this feels like the weird, creepy place. Like the upside down version. Go to yes, exactly. Yeah, that like everyone's like, yeah, you just get a bad feeling in there, which is so unfortunate because it was such a beautiful, yeah, beautiful place for people for so 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 long. Yeah. Okay, so now it is. It's a wreck. And then in 2010, so this is 14 years after it was left abandoned, Eric Freeman from LA buys the house. He hopes to restore it and use it for more community-based programs, basically give a second chance to it, to what Walter had yeah. Walter Wills had created. And so he he goes there. Initially, he's shocked by the condition of the property. Did and he buy it before?
1: It, he bought it from like over online, like, seeing sight photos. Unseen. Yeah.
2: Probably. Yeah. eBay. (laughs) Craigslist. Probably. Something like that. Yeah. So people had contributed to the trash inside of it, copper wiring was ripped from the walls. But he said the reason that he felt like he could take on the project was because even though so much of this was like destroyed – very little was disturbed architecturally. Mm. So it still had the good bones. So he was like, ooh, I can do this. I like so how you said that. So he begins the project. The good bones. The good bones. The house has the bones that are good. <laughs> but like you said before, where it would have been probably easier to just knock it down, that's a very much the case because, bless Eric and his friends, they were – his friends were helping him restore, and he said it was near impossible because every time they got anything done, within a few days, people would break in and scalp and steal it all. Oh, I thought so you we were going to say, like, the ghosts restarting. were doing it, but – That's even worse. Oh. No, I think the ghosts want it to be yeah. back to normal. Yeah. No, it was just, like – Vandalism? Yeah, people, I mean, it had been abandoned for so long, so I feel like, yeah, it's it just what everyone thought is. it was for them. Yeah, so it was very difficult. I'm sure he sunk a sh- – crap ton of of money money. into this place yeah uh and he's still restoring it so it's taking a long time what he learned even though he built or he's intending to have this place for for community outreach and community programs what he learned was the people that are most interested in using this property weren't necessarily groups from the community but in paranormal investigators Ooh, this place looks very haunted our favorite so for a hot second Eric posts the property on Airbnb for $200 a night which would get That's you it. access to f- yeah yeah you could freely wander the crematorium, embalming rooms, Egyptian caskets room, basement, but there was no electricity, there were no <laughs> of showers. <course> not. <laughs> Cameras were encouraged, ghost stories encouraged, but he also had said in the listing or I don't know if it was in the listing or it just him talking to reporters that Extra flashlights were also very much encouraged because (laughs) something about the energy in the space batteries would drain very quickly. I so wish that we could into darkness.
1: Go do this. I wish it was still on Airbnb for two hundred dollars. How cool would it be to do like a TGOG meetup, not a live show, but like a paranormal investigation together?
2: Oh, that would be freaking fantastic! It would be so cool, and this place is so big too. It's like. I feel like it would be so fun because it's one of those things where you don't have to stick together. Like everyone can kind of meander and then you get spooked when you come into like another group of four in the hall and you're like, ah! you're like creeping you know?
1: backwards out of a room and then you go back into, <gasps> it's you.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. What if you creep backwards into a room and then you end up in the same room you're <sighs> creeping backwards into and you're like stuck in this glitch forever.
1: And then I would die and give my role <laughs> of the podcast to my nemesis and come back as a spiteful spirit.
2: You don't. You can't die yet though, because you don't have a nemesis. I know. So. I know. I need to. Gosh, life
1: goals. I need a nemesis first.
2: Put in work, man.
1: <laughs> what are you doing? Work harder. Just too kind.
2: <laughs> work harder.
1: Uh, making on more people. Create more nemesis. fights. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. You can do like a like a casual nemesis. Maybe it's more of just like a competition of of uh, good spirits. I don't know. <laughs> like we're like no one's actually. Met. I don't know. I don't think I've. ever I'm trying like, to think of a way. Anyone. Yeah. Oh gosh, I am probably still do. A lot of people are like, let go of things. I should be more therapized than I am. This is (laughs) this is what I've come to learn. I don't like forgiving people. (laughs) You hold a little. You hold grudges. I am. You could be a spiteful spirit, but I'm a spiteful living human being. Yeah. So yeah, whatever. Yeah, happy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So it's overwhelming how many people want to stay at this Airbnb listing. So Eric's like, never mind. I'm removing the listing. I'm just going to focus on other things. So he then opens it up to architectural tours and ghost tours. Mm. So people can go in and take a tour of this home and you still can. And there are a lot of ghosts because this place was both a funeral home and once a hospital and many other things. So it has seen plenty of deaths and bodies. The last death being in 2006 on the front door of the property. This poor person was murdered. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Yeah, died right there. What? I know, very sad. In 2006, it was abandoned, too. So that person was probably just trying to find cover and succumbed to their injuries. Yes. So visitors have reported hearing ghostly footsteps and seeing shadow figures dart around. People have heard their name being called out to them when there's nobody else present. There are orbs, there are EVPs, bangs, and rustling noises heard from deep within the building, and a man in a white suit is often seen wandering the property, which many people believe is Walter Wills just keeping an eye on his property and making sure nothing too bad happens to it. So it definitely sounds a lot like a lot of the hauntings that we have heard before. You know, you're like run-of-the-mill, orbs, sounds, occasional, spectral image. Yeah. Yes. But there's one thing that's very odd here. Okay, Beyond the sphinxes and the Greek columns, beyond the saturated furniture and the elaborately carved ceilings, in the casket display room, the cloud room as people call it, Uh it is a large ballroom that had numerous caskets inside it once upon a time. Mm -hmm. And now replacing the caskets is a mist that grows larger and swirls for several moments before disappearing. A portal has opened up. <gasps> okay, there is a thinking swirling portal, vortex. But oh my gosh! Yes. So this place you can pro- you can look at it online, and we'll we'll find a photo and post it on our Instagram yeah. too. And I know we always say we're going to post on Instagram, but we actually will. <laughs> <laughs> I got to start writing these things down after we when do you the listen back. So you should like write it down as you're listening. Back. Write it down. Yeah, I definitely need to. But so there's this room is huge. It almost looks like a like a indoor pool. Like it looks like a big, like abandoned indoor pool. Because this thing was huge. Like this is where people would go and shop all of the caskets in this giant ballroom to to choose which one they wanted their loved one to be buried in. Yeah. So it is massive and it I mean, from the photos, it looks windowless, too. And so it just is very creepy that, like, people walk in and basically will start seeing this thing start going. Does it come towards them? No, it just kind of gets bigger and stays for a few moments before disappearing.
1: Has anyone tried to go into it? Maybe, but
2: I'm sure they disappeared and we'll never find out. I was so (laughs) tempted. And that's how you get sucked in and never... Never Never come back. Never come back.
1: What if it's better on the other side? So,
2: uh, Well, maybe that's a risk you'll have to take. Is the grass greener in this new dimension? Maybe. Oh, speaking of. What? Diverging from this story for a second. So in our – in Paranormal News that we post on Patreon, which are like exclusive episodes, I had mentioned CERN and CERN's new project. And we talked about that a little bit on one of these episodes too. Yeah. The last one or the one before. A bunch of people are saying that there's new glitches in the Matrix that have started. (gasps) Because of this? And – yes. And a lot of the old glitches in the Matrix, like the Berenstain Bears versus the Berenstain Bears or like the name of Chick-fil-A and how to spell it and logos and whatever – are getting merged together. So now people are finding copies of like each version. <gasps> like someone has the Baronstein oh, and the Berenstain. Yes. So everyone's freaking out and everyone's like what does it figuring mean out for which us? timelines they're from. I don't know. I don't know. But if we're all But converting. here's my question to you. Okay. How do you think Chick-fil-A is spelled? Because this one made me really shocked. Okay, see so this, I'm not a good
1: test subject for this because I've never gone to Chick-fil-A or ever entertained or wanted to go. So I don't really pay attention to that.
2: Yes, I think I've only been one time. But this is what, fr- the. I think I'm from, I would assume you're with the in the other dimension with me too. Okay. Unless we're like weirdly converging and there's like multiple versions of us that always do this podcast and we like <laughs> don't know which one of us is here. But I'm fairly certain that this thing is real, like a real timeline shift. Because okay. I remember Chick-fil-A being C-H-I-C and then hyphen Phil hyphen A. a. yeah, And then the, the like billboards was a cow saying eat more chicken with a K. Apparently, and actually I don't know why I was talking about Chick-fil-A the other day, but I typed it out in my phone and it autocorrected to C-H-I-C-K, like the real spelling of chick. And I was like, that's weird. And I looked it up and it said that that spelling was correct. And I was like, this is really strange. And then I didn't really think about it too much until on TikTok, there's a big group of people being like, uh. I'm from the C-H-I-C timeline and now I'm in the C-H-I-C-K timeline. Uh. And I'm like, oh my God, I was from that timeline too. It's so confounding. It really is. Yeah. And people are- How often yeah, do we very, jump back it's and forth? interesting. I don't know. And which one are we in? Like- do we ever go back or what happens yeah. to that previous timeline? Like, is it just absorbed?
1: I don't I don't know.
2: I don't know either. Okay. So we're back at the funeral. Home. Yes, with the mist. There's a vortex, there's a portal. No one knows really what happens or what it is. And perhaps I think maybe the owner, Eric, the new owner Eric might find out one day. He is a classic skeptic. Okay. He says he does not believe in spirits, but he's seen some stuff that he can't explain. Which is like the classic So it's scripted. like, I believe, like, but
1: I don't want to admit that I believe because then it changes yeah. my
2: reality. You're like, I've seen a ghost, but I don't believe in yes. ghosts. And you're like, well, what is it then? It's which like, what are
1: you? It's like when people email us and they're like, I really haven't experienced much. And then email us like a hundred experiences and it's like, oh.
2: <laughs> yes. Excuse me, say what? Yeah, I'm like okay, and then you're also saying that your brother has seen something, and your mom, and then your great grandfather. I'm like, this is generational haunting, so and that you also maybe your you great grandfather reincarnated. Uh, excuse me. Right, we're like okay, but yeah, peace of mind if you don't believe in that's ghosts or want to that, then that's yeah, that's fine. But thanks for listening and thanks for emailing. Us. <laughs> yeah. We enjoy them. <laughs> Okay, so to end this, because that's pretty much all of the activity that's happened thus far, Mm -hmm. Eric is hoping to bring some new life to the building as well as some ghost hunts too. So maybe one day we'll be able to go and do a TGOG ghost hunt there. Yes. But I do want to let everyone know that you can go on an architectural tour. You can go on a ghost tour. And on Halloween, (gasps) they occasionally have Harry Houdini seances. To wrap it all back together to my nice for my Harry bow. Houdini episode. I know. Okay, well it feels like we have plans for next Halloween. I know. Yes, you know what we should do? I think we already talked about this, yeah. but but now that it is still July when this episode comes out, but nearing September and October when everyone starts to like do all the spooky things, we really need to compile a list of all of the really cool yeah. festivals and, and whatnot that mm-hmm. are going on. Yeah. and like, like What towns are doing what?
1: Favorite – like, I remember growing up in Jersey and, like, the haunted attractions, like haunted houses, haunted hay rides. and it was mm-hmm. always my goal to find the scariest, best one. So we should put yes. – like, that should be part of the list.
2: Wait, Sabrina. What? When you come out here, we'll have to find one nearby. No one ever wants to do this with me. E! But I went as a young kid. I don't know what my parents were thinking. There are corn mazes <gasps> yes. in New England that – have people with like chainsaws or like the it looks like a like hay bag yeah or like potato bag like the burlap sacks like stitched into their faces and they don't walk the normal path they like cut, cut through worn at you and it is so fun at least i'm remembering as like an 11 year old kid it was the best i think everyone else was scarred from the experience but i really want to do it again
1: i would love that it is as i've gotten older and i, I really hope that no serial killers listen to this Oh. But that would be the perfect place to commit. Truly murder murder someone? Because people are already screaming. People are already using chainsaws and like scaring people with them. And people are wearing masks. So you would like, no one would know your identity.
2: Wait, now I don't want to (laughs) go. You ruined it for me. You ruined it. (laughs) Oh, now I'm really scared. That is well, really disturbing. I hope I know. none of that happens. That's what I think about every day. So my brain is disturbing. I feel like in order to prevent that from happening, I would hope that – because assuming that someone were to do that, mm-hmm. I would think that they're also hoping to get away with it. Of course. If they're going to, like, hide in the cornfield and not just be out in the open killing someone. Mm-hmm. I think that everybody who owns a haunted cornfield like this or or maze should – for, it's required to have a drone constantly going Ooh. over the top of it, like a surveillance, so you can chase them too. Oh, like you'll know where they go in the corner. because okay. you can see them like running through, so they can't. They'll have to be caught. Okay, that feels that- no murderers allowed. <laughs> Let's hope that <laughs> I'm going to buy seven seventy two thousand drones, and I'm going to start a drone business where everybody gets assigned one drone. Everybody who listens to Two Girls One Ghost, you get assigned one drone, and you have. Are to you paying for all drone? these drones? It is volunteer-based. <laughs>
1: okay. Bring your own Oh, drone. the
2: participation. BYOD. A- am I paying for it? No. Okay. So I don't know how I'm going to get the money.
1: Let's hope that more owners of cornfields listen to this than serial killers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that would make me sad if we had a serial killer listen <laughs> to this. If it's like, how would you know?
1: And they Damn cite it. us as they're like when if they get caught they're like well two girls from yeah. ghosts gave me the idea and then I would feel very very guilty. Leah too apparently. Mm-hmm. Okay, Corinne. Before I tell you yes about my funeral home, I have a question for you. Okay, what would you do? You're
2: involving the audience. I so I raise raise your hand if you've ever. <laughs> this is what I feel it's like. It's never
1: happening. have I ever about ghosts. Never have I ever yes. been possessed by a demon. Drink if you have. Oh, I have been not that I remember. That we know of. That we know of. Okay. What would you do if you moved into an apartment within a stunning historic mansion, just blocks from the downtown Ooh. area of your small town,
2: and it's like- I like
1: this. Beautiful. It's great. But then your first night there, you wake up at 2 a.m. to uh, disembodied voices and whistling in your ear.
2: i would do what leia's doing right now i would scream (laughs) (laughs) yeah because that sounds horrifying come here come here unprepared she's like i want to tell the story come here yes she's like that's what happened to me and then i was cursed and put into a a cat's body (sighs) sometimes i do wonder a human being leia's communications
1: to me are like i have a ghost story and i want to tell you about my past life
2: i bet it is you should get a pet psychic oh we should have one on the show one day I was just thinking that we should definitely do that. Uh, Like a special? Yes. Okay. Okay. We're going to do some research into pet psychics. All right. I like that. Put this this in your
1: business ideas notes that you have for us. Okay. Okay.
2: I am. I'm writing it in right now. Okay. So, as you tell the story, you would scream if this happened to you. A lot of people
1: this happened to, and many people moved out because that is what happens at the Jewett House in Mason, Michigan. Built in 1855, the Jewett House was home to many prominent figures in history and then housed a tea house during the Great Depression before turning into the Jewett Funeral Home. It then went on to be a rental property, but like I painted the picture in that question I asked you, many tenants moved out just as quickly as they moved in because no one really signs up to have ghostly roommates. Unless I guess you buy like the Conjuring House or one of those houses that, you know, Yes. You know it's haunted and it's like, then I don't feel bad for you because you Mm -hmm. asked for it. So the Jewett House is stunning. It was built in 1855 by a wealthy developer whose name was J.P. Coastworth and is one of the most well-known and significant houses in the small community of Mason, Michigan. And the former mayor, Orlando Barnes, lived there until 1910. And then it became a tea house during the Great Depression – which some people were like yeah it wasn't a tea house it's prohibition this was for sure like a secret cover for you know a place where people can drink and do right. their illicit activities
2: the tea houses just make me think of did you ever have a fake id when you were younger oh for sure okay so id chief which is where so many people got their yeah. ids from that's where i got mine from and it was hidden in a tea set in oh. a teacup set that came over from china and i had to like break the tea no set no way that's so to get it yeah crazy so it was I, very prohibition very
1: <laughs> i'm pretty sure we just like had a friend and met them and grabbed them
2: oh they were just like dishing it out yeah yeah no i, I distinctly remember mine being in in a t-set hmm,
1: that's cool it's very it um the doll in totally illegal Stranger things <laughs> but
2: totally illegal
1: don't arrest us we're we're of age now
2: you know what it's part of life It's fun. yeah and if the police come for me now it was hearsay yeah they have no proof. It's not a true admission of guilt. I don't yeah, still show me the proof. Have it. Yeah, I totally do. <laughs> you do <laughs> framed. Oh, Yeah, I think I, I got mine one. taken away. <laughs> oh really oh shoot
1: and i'm pretty sure happens i looked up the address that was on the id and it was like an empty parking lot in pennsylvania so like it just like wasn't even real
2: yeah but if anyone looked it up you can be like oh yeah like that i don't know why google earth hasn't updated but it's new residential buildings and my parents live there Mm. just be like oh yeah that's my parents new condo building (laughs) i don't know why it's showing up you gotta lie with conviction (sighs) i would just like break down and cry like i'm so sorry (laughs) It reminds me of, never mind, we can get back to this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm curious what you're going to say.
2: It was, do you remember freshman year of college where a bunch of us went out and (gasps) were at at Haciendas? At Haciendas, yes. And everybody got a citation. For underage drinking, except for me. I gave my fake ID to the cops, but I was the only one that got away with it. And it's because everybody else started crying, but I was already, I was in the middle of the table, so I had some time to think about it. And our (laughs) food, my enchiladas had just gotten there. And I was like, I want to eat my enchiladas. And I just thought, you know what? It is what it is. I'm not going to let this ruin my night. I'm going to keep drinking my drink. They can't get me. As they're there, they can't. What did they? They're going to take it away. They're going to charge me. (laughs) Like they're going to, yeah, they're going to write it for more. They can't – yeah. It didn't matter how much I drank. So I was going to enjoy my – I don't even know what I got, like a slushy margarita or something. Yeah. And my enchiladas. And I just, like, continued eating and drinking. And, and to them, they thought, this girl must have nothing to worry about. She must be the one that's legal. So they thought I was the ringleader dishing out the IDs. I gave them my fake ID. And then they were like, are we going to find any more ID- fake IDs in there? And I said, no, I'm assure you're you not going to find any more. Because I'd given them yeah. my one. They handed it back. They handed and it back. I walked out of their – Yeah, they thought it was real and that I was giving everybody else their fake IDs. So I walked out of that restaurant and I sprinted home because I was like, oh no, what if they changed their mind? Teapots,
1: prohibition, here we are. The Jewett house. So after it was the tea house, it became a funeral home from the 1930s to the 1990s. And you know what that means. Lots and lots of dead bodies, lots and lots of grief. Mm Mm-hmm. So I actually am so excited and I had texted you the other day, Corinne, and I was like, we should do a haunted real estate episode and like what's on the market right now and what's haunted Mm -hmm. because as I was researching this episode, I found all these really cool articles about the house when it was on the market recently. So it was just recently listed for sale and so lucky for us, we have a ton of access to an inside look of the house and there were tons of articles explaining the history and the interior design, and basically, it's great because we can all enjoy it. So, it's located at 605 South Jefferson Street in Mason, Michigan. The Jewett House is nearly 4,000 square foot. It's a Victorian Italiante mansion with a large stone porch and a steeple at the top. It's four bedrooms, three and a half baths. It's a corner lot. It has hardwood floor and original crown molding. The oh, owners corner
2: lot. Hardwood floor, original crown molding, done.
1: I know. Done. Yes. Sounds so good. If you want to look up the Zillow listing as I explain it to you, I do. You will. I do. So 605 South Jefferson Street in Michigan. Okay. The owners throughout the years have taken such good care of it that when it hit the market, it was such a rare find. It's a historical mansion that has original pieces and is not at risk of caving in on top of you, which is great. The houses, basically, all the articles were like, houses aren't made like this anymore. It's so beautiful, and guess, well, now you're looking. But it sold. It was first listed for two hundred and ninety nine thousand in twenty seventeen, then taken off the market in January of twenty eighteen, and basically eventually sold in May of twenty eighteen for two hundred and fifty k, two
2: hundred and fifty thousand. Why don't we move there? <sighs> I, I'm realizing to many people who don't live in the cities that we live in that that still may feel very expensive. But for Los Angeles, which is where you are, and for Boston, which is where I am. that uh, I can't even buy like a
1: bathroom for that amount.
2: No, no, no. I've never even seen like a piece of land. Like I can't even buy like 10,000 square foot piece of land yeah. for that. The space that I'm in that you can see right now would probably cost that much money. Oh, 1,000%. I was looking in Boston for condos the other day, just out of curiosity. And the condos that are like five hundred square feet, like four seventy-four, yeah. are are still everything is over five hundred thousand yeah. dollars.
1: It's absurd. We are living in the wrong places. Wow.
2: Yeah. Ah, we missed out. <sighs> so
1: I'm going to quote the Lansing State Journal a bunch
2: of times because
1: they did a really good job of describing the interior of the home. It sits on about half an acre of land, and most of the home's oak trim, high archways, and brass light fixtures are original to the house. There are some wood-burning fireplaces. One hearth is made of Italian marble— double door entryway that opens to a foyer with impressive and wide grand staircase there is a first floor room with copper ceiling and the second floor ceiling is ornate tin again original to the house there's a second yes staircase. let me zoom
2: in on the on this uh, yeah show it ceiling off. for everybody right now that's
1: Corinne oh. oh. and technology again
2: it what, look on Instagram <laughs> <laughs> I know how to use that so
1: yes <laughs> There's a second staircase up to the third floor, which at one time housed servants, which apparently was not normal during the time that this house was built. So the developer basically had like gone above and beyond and created new types of amenities and homes that didn't exist before, at least in this area. There was a 200 square foot insulated three seasons room added to the house with skylights and plenty of windows. So it's basically like this gorgeous sunroom. There's a four-car garage. Mm. The entire house has so many windows, meaning it has tons of natural light and is very bright and airy. And Corinne, oh, despite it being haunted so, so nice. and the fact that it's no longer on the market, it has central air and a heating system. And it's, it, I mean, it's beautiful. So you guys can look it up on Zillow. As I said, 650 South Jefferson Street in Mason, Michigan. But this is not a real estate podcast. This is a ghost story podcast. So let's get to the ghosts. Okay. Okay. The Jewett family bought the house in the late 1920s and converted it into a funeral home. They raised their children there and served the Mason area until 1990. From my research, it sounds like there wasn't anything too bizarre occurring during those days. Or maybe the family welcomed the spirits because they were accustomed to the activity. You know, they were in the business of death. So maybe they weren't off-putted by it. I don't know. I am curious. Like, it does seem like a type of place that would be really haunted by spirits. But I guess
0: Mm -hmm.
1: if it's also like a place of putting someone to rest. Maybe it's not. I don't know.
2: Well, that's another interesting thing too, because like a lot happens, presumably a lot happens to a body yeah, before it gets there and after it's there. So this is really just a transition yeah. house. Like it's not where the spirit dies. It's not where an autopsy is necessarily done to determine cause of death. And it's not their final resting spot. It's just like a preparation and viewing room. So- I understand that anywhere there can be spirits and anywhere yeah. there can be like an attachment and an association.
1: It's so interesting because like if I'm thinking psychologically from a spirit's perspective, like say you die in like a unexpected way, I imagine the place of death would be a place where your spirit like comes out of your body and it's like very confused and that's like a turmoil, tumultuous, mm-hmm. tumul- tumultuous? Why can't I say that word? Tumultuous. Yeah. experience mentally. But then there's the, what if like your spirit takes a minute to like, come out of your body and you're at the Mm. morgue and that's a place where it could be. Or if you're at the funeral home when you're like having the service and you see your family members grieving over you, I imagine that also could trigger a spirit to be active in a way.
2: Right. Especially, yeah. Especially if you have all of your family members and friends. Like if that's where the viewing is and that's where the funeral is, that's where you have the most energy and collection of memories in one place.
1: But I don't know.
2: So- In 1990, the funeral home shut down
1: and the house became a rental property, but people and families moved in only to immediately start experiencing haunted phenomenon. And it actually made me wonder if like, if you own a place that's haunted and knowingly haunted and you're renting it out, would you put it into the contract? Like hauntings are not a reason to break this contract and it's like in small fine print because no one's really reading it.
2: Do Do you have to admit that there are hauntings there?
1: Is that even required? I don't think so, but what if someone tries to get out of the contract of the rental agreement because it's haunted, so I'm preemptively... Yeah, but that's
2: when you just, you gaslight them and you say, Ghosts aren't
1: real. (laughs) Both situations are pretty bad. I guess I could put like a side (laughs) clause. Like, you can get out if it's a demon, but not if it's just regular Uh,
2: ghosts.
1: Yeah. Tenants complained of footsteps on the second floor, disembodied voices, cigar smoke, Toys and other objects moving on their own and whistling in the middle of the night. And those were just a couple of the complaints. One tenant apparently moved out at 2 a.m. due to all of the paranormal activity they were experiencing and Ugh. the Michigan Area Paranormal Society has visited and investigated the Jewett house on multiple occasions, and every single time they have experienced something otherworldly. They've said that the more that they investigate the home, the more they learn, and the more the spirits come out to communicate with them, and they are getting more comfortable with the group, which I just imagine, like, it's wow. kind of like a cat, you know, warming up to you, but now – yeah. Every time this group comes back,
2: the spirits are like, oh my gosh, it's them. Hello, 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 hello. I feel like that makes so much sense, though, because if you think about places that you can tour and Mm -hmm. there are tour guides that regularly spend time, I feel like the tour guides have the most amount of-
1: Yeah, they have relationships. Because
2: it's- Yeah, the spirits get comfortable and realize this isn't just like some stranger anymore. Yeah. They trust them.
1: So most of the paranormal, like recorded paranormal activity is all thanks to the Michigan Area Paranormal Society. They've caught EVPs and communicated with the spirits of Alton Jewett, Art Jewett, and Art BFFL Duffy. Ooh. Duffy. Okay, new idea. Merch. Yes. Yes. I feel like we are such okay. entrepreneurs. Grabbing my notes. Let's make friendship bracelets that say, okay, either BFFTD, best friends through death, or no, BFFEIAL, best friends even in the afterlife.
2: But
1: Okay. It's a little wordy, a lettery. But feel. The feel. And it has to be said that way too. We can come up with something better. Comment below. That's my new thing that I'm going to do. Comment below. People don't do it yet, but maybe one day they will. (laughs) The MAPS group, Michigan Area uh, Paranormal Society, also heard a little boy named Michael in the basement. And apparently there was an EVP caught that the spirit said, they sent me here to stay, which is like super sad and ominous. So people are like, did a kid die in this basement? Or in my opinion, I was like, did the Jewett family, like, embalm a child named Michael in the basement and his spirit was confused and, like, saw his body there and this, like – and he's been tra- – his spirit has trapped
2: there? Right. I don't know. It also makes – okay, I'm going to actually take a dark twist. Of course. Dark turn. There is a lot of places that have a lot of death that have one particular spirit or creature mm-hmm. or entity or whatever you want to call it that – does bad things or controls the other spirits there in a negative way what if there's something lurking here too that is preventing spirits from crossing over and is oh. keeping them and trapping them in the home with it that's a that's and not so even dark that's this just little sad boy had to stay because he was blocked from the light I don't know. I know.
1: It does seem like the Sorry. this paranormal society has been doing a lot of work in the house and continues to. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully they're able to figure it out. There's another common haunting of another child. It's a six-year-old girl, Rachel. Excuse me. Who <laughs> – I guess we are human after all. Okay. Uh, Rachel lingers in the front room and grabs people's hands and tugs on their clothing no one really knows who she is, where she's from. It's another mystery. Many people have seen shadow people peeking around corners. And during mm-hmm. the Christmas holidays – so this makes me think the spirits are good. Or maybe. Tenants and residents have said Christmas tree ornaments are found all over the floor when they wake up in the mornings. Which could mean it's a spirit that loves Christmas. Or it could mean that there's like a little Grinch ghost. Or it could mean that there's a ghost – Cat. Cat or it could mean there's a ghost who's like these ornaments are all wrong.
2: All wrong. Doesn't fit my color scheme. Oh. <laughs> or it's just I mean I don't really know the history of or like when we started decorating tree Christmas trees that's with a ornaments. Cool tradition to learn about. Yeah, so maybe maybe there's a spirit there that's just like what the hell are they doing to these yeah. trees and just shaking them, huh. loosening them up, bringing the trees back to their natural state. Yeah, maybe. I like the idea that there's like a little Grinch, a little mini Grinch. Yeah. Spirit running around. <laughs> and not
1: getting too far with the ornaments. Yes. A lot of people have experienced waves of nausea in the house. And I wish very badly that we could speak to you because now the house is owned. Someone – a family purchased it in 2018. It's a family. They live there. They apparently are aware of the hauntings but have asked people to respect their privacy. But I don't want to respect their privacy. I would like to communicate with them.
2: <laughs> no, I will. They've asked for respect and I decline. <laughs> Maybe they're my new nemeses. <laughs> oh, Yes. Or all of the hotels and places that have not wanted us to talk about the hauntings
1: there. Then there's a long Long list. list. Long list. What I do love, though, is that the family that owns the house has been working with the Michigan Area Paranormal Society and still allows the group – to come investigate the home. They have had experiences themselves. So I think they're working together with the paranormal society to try to understand the spirits, but they still live there. They have not listed it. Mm. So it does seem like they are okay with the spirits or the spirits aren't evil that we know
2: of. Okay. Well, that's good. That's positive. So generally there's just a lot of, I mean, it sounds like the only Grinchy thing to happen is the Christmas ornament removal, but otherwise it's just some children, some like tugging of the clothes,
1: and then the family members just, who owned the funeral home, right, yeah, it
2: gets paranormally active, but there's nothing menacing happening, yeah, I agree, which is the best which, type of haunting, yes, if you're open to it and feel comfortable around the spirits, then then totally, but I can also imagine just generally being like, I don't want to be touched when I don't expect to be I don't want I feel that way be around this in normal life about humans
1: so i imagine true a ghost touching me would be like please why <laughs>
2: Have a little tug. Have you ever been touched before by a spirit? That's a good question. No a little tap on the arm or something. I don't think so. I've only had my hair touched, mm. physically touched, and then I had that spirit that would tuck me into bed, like yeah, down my body. But that was the that was the fabric getting tucked right. underneath me. It sounds so weird when you say it, but it was really comforting when it was happening.
1: Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> a comforting cocooned. action, just like
2: being cocooned into your blankets.
1: Yeah. It would be different if, like, my su- hair. you felt like something was on top of you holding the fabric down because that's scary. Right.
2: A nice little tuck, 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 tuck. I had yeah. in my car one time my hair pulled out to the side like this. As and you were was, driving? That was scary because it was, like, middle of the day and I was driving and it was like, and I was like, ah, stop touching me. that was scary because you're trapped what are you gonna do and you're driving you're you're operating a a vehicle 60 miles an hour yeah yeah right you can't just freak out it's dangerous it's very dangerous go so respect the driver's Safety. Please. 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 Wow. Okay. So, you know, for a topic that could have been, that that made me think a lot of dark entities, we both found places that have pretty heartwarming pasts or, or just like kind spirits within. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the
1: misconception, right? That maybe comes along with the death business of, oh, must be negative or must like create negative spirits. But- if you think about it, they're in the business of like servicing the spirit and the the human mm-hmm. form that they had and You're al- right. allowing their – like if they're putting the human body to rest, it's then insinuating that they're allowing the spirit to move forward into like the new reality of whatever it is. So there is – it is a very positive yeah. spin of life. It's c-
2: customer service for ghosts. <laughs> it is. You're right. Oh. It's human servicing the spirit world. Oh my gosh. Customer service is- for ghosts. Customer service for ghosts. This is this is similar to cemeteries. Like when we first started yeah. the podcast, we were always thinking like, oh, cemeteries, they're so haunted. They're so creepy. Because that's the typical thing that people are like, oh, <gasps> cemeteries. Yeah. And they're not. They're some of the most peaceful places ever. Yeah. Like if you were going to go ghost hunting, you're almost better off just walking into a random hotel and seeing a spirit or experiencing oh, something than going into a cemetery. So yeah, this is kind of similar to that. You're right. Yeah. Well, so maybe it's
1: oh the only funeral home that I can know of that's not okay. What was the there's like that um there's a horror
2: movie made about it. Is it the one in Connecticut? Was the house of oh, haunting in a, the con the Conjuring the Parent House where the Parent family was? Wasn't that at one time? I thought it was the Haunting of Connecticut. That
1: house used to be a funeral home. Mm, it's one that I'm you covered all
2: mixed up now. I did do the Haunting of Connecticut house, but it's making me. I'm very confused. There's no chance I remember any of the details. Anything I say Let's right see. now is going to be a partial truth.
1: Um, was it? Uh, see, this is going to take too long for me to figure out. The Decker house, whatever.
2: Oh, the Snedeker house. Yes, 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 yes. You're right. You're right. That sounds totally right. Yeah. It was a four. Oh, Connecticut? I'm proud of my brain. <laughs> you go, brain. You have both of the brain yes. cells today. It was for a the former, former
1: funeral home where morticians regularly practiced. Oh gosh, necromancy.
2: Oh, I don't remember that from the. I
1: well, don't remember maybe either. Either that either. That part—that's well. I mean, it's Wikipedia. How much can we trust it? I don't know. Whoa. Okay.
2: But I was right. I trust Wikipedia. Of fully. Myself. Yes. Good job. Good job, brain. You remembered where it was. listener stories listener stories man it's just amazing to see how many experiences people have within all of these themes and categories mm-hmm. that we choose to cover it's like you put in the the search terms in the inbox i'm like funeral home and i'm like oh whoa so that's, many it's shocking there's people are experiencing things for sure yes, yes it is shocking all righty so i picked a listener story from jessica Hi from Texas. Just started listening to you guys and I love, love, love the podcast. So my name is Jessica and here are two of my encounters. When I was younger, my mom was an amazing single mom. While she was pregnant with me, she did hair and makeup at a funeral home to try to make ends meet. One day, while at the water fountain, she felt as if someone was standing directly behind her, but nobody was there. She brushed it it off as nothing and went on with her day. That night, she dreamed that she was at work walking down a long hall. This was the long hall with the rooms where they worked on the bodies, no less. And around the corner, a woman was floating, wearing a long emerald green ball gown with the most beautiful long red curly hair. My mom went to work the next day and told her coworkers about the dream. One woman said to her, oh, that's Nadine, the office ghost. (gasps) She does that with all of the new people here. How fun. (laughs) (laughs) My mom worked there for a while, and I guess she got used to all of the things that would happen, mainly when kids were brought in. Oh, Oh, that's sad. She heard screaming with no one there but her and another person in the office. Someone once saw a glowing golden ring floating over a young boy that had passed – Footsteps have been heard and much more. What's a little strange now is that I've been told that when I was 14 years old that I had some sort of gift. I'm now 28 and recently I had two dreams of this funeral home. I told my mom. Had she ever been there? I don't know. Okay. Curious. We need, yeah, Jessica, please follow up with us and let us know. Yeah, I told my mom about the dream and dreaming of these long white hallways with the doors on the right side and on the left at the top of the wall, there was a rectangular shaped windows. Then my other dream that I had about this place, I was standing in the courtyard. The building itself was sort of a U shape with a chapel on the left and the offices in front of me and off to the left. I remember looking into these very large arched windows with almost a brown tint to them. And a woman was at the top of one of the windows in a green dress (gasps) staring back at me. The same woman? The same woman. In the dream, I squeezed my eyes as tight as I possibly could. And after I opened them, she was still there staring at me. And then I woke up. Oh. My mom stared at me with shock, saying the last time I was there, I was maybe two. Oh, here's our answer. I shouldn't be able to remember any about wh- anything about what this place looked like, but I vividly dreamed it. I wonder if it's Nadine sending me a sign of some sort. And then she wrote another story because I'm super odd. When I was a baby, I lived in an apartment complex called Sugar Hill Apartments. This complex was interesting to say the least. My mom could come home, just my mom and a baby, and find either my diapers knocked all around the ground or pictures that she'd hung up, now crooked And no longer on the wall sometimes. She once had a picture of me in front of our fireplace for a Christmas picture. And when it developed, it looked like I was sitting in a puddle of blood. (gasps) All of the other pictures were perfect with no issues. At some point after showing friends and such, she lost that picture. When I was about two, my little sister was born. Eventually, we moved into another unit in the same complex. This was a one-bedroom with a den, which my mom used as her bedroom, and my sister and I shared the actual bedroom. I don't have many memories of that place, but one thing I do remember was fairly odd. One day, while me and my little sister were playing in the living room, my mom came out of her room, the den, from her nap and told us that we were being way too loud. She then proceeded to clean up our mess, toys, and stuff all over the place. My sister kept one blanket with her a lot, and my mom picked up the blanket, crumpled it, and tried to throw it. And when it landed, it went completely flat. No wrinkles, no folds, nothing. Being so small, my sister and I and my mom just went, oh, mommy. Mommy did magic. Do it again. And so she (sighs) did it again. Three times she did this, and the blanket went flat every single time. The same weird things from the old unit would happen and I remember specifically all of this because my mom's face was absolutely <laughs> terrified. We moved out to our first house not long after. Hope you enjoyed these. Bye, Jessica.
1: Okay, well, Jessica clearly is like spiritually in tune, and yeah, it is interesting because I'm. Pr- I think it was in. She said in the beginning, like her mom started working there when she was pregnant with Jessica, right? So. Mm -hmm. Maybe this spirit at the funeral home, Nadine, just took a liking to Jessica and her mom and kind of like imprinted herself onto them. So the memory in that dream was less of Jessica's memory of remembering every single detail about the funeral home, but more of Nadine sharing it with her. And You're making in. me
2: think of basically memories acting as portals. What if spirits can haunt and travel through oh. time and doors based on where people have memories of places?
1: That is so freaking! Isn't cool. that interesting?
2: TM will write something about <laughs> it. You'll write, TM, I'll write a book. You write TM a TM to a concept that we just
1: made up, but might exist that we think is a real thing.
2: Yeah, I don't think I don't think we own any intellectual property there.
1: <laughs> but we said TM, so perhaps we do.
2: Yeah. So maybe. I don't know. (laughs) We'll see. It is interesting, though. It kind of reminds me of the movie Looper, where they can teleport into photos. Wherever you're looking at a photo, you can just, like, blip into there. And it would be interesting if that exists in memories. You would need, though, the, like, recorder
1: of memories – and then you can replay it and then people can go into them.
2: Yeah. It just makes you, if hauntings could happen this way, it would be very stressful to try to forget about something mm. for fear of being haunted. Like, like let's yeah. say we went to see Robert the doll or something and we're like, oh, we don't want Robert the doll to, to haunt us. Yeah, And so then I feel like you would just think even more about the place that about you're trying that to forget because you're paranoid about that place. Yeah. It's... It's interesting because
1: I think the other thing would be really difficult about that is then do you start to question your reality? If ghosts can come into memories in your dreams, does it then change or make you question what the reality of that memory actually is?
2: Oh, that's true because they're rewriting the memory.
1: I've been having that, and this has been happening to me a lot lately, and I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast because I don't know, my brain is like really whack. I've been having a really hard time distinguishing between reality and dreams. Mm -hmm. Like
2: it's because of CERN, you're probably living two different lives. Maybe every
1: single time I'm having like there was a in my mind it was a memory, and Nick and I were at dinner with the with two of our friends, and Nick turned to me and asked a question, and we like had a conversation about something with our friends, that then in my normal life, I was thinking about it. I was like, did that actually happen? And so I asked Nick, and he goes, that never happened. And I was like, but it feels so real.
2: Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking and about. And I don't. And it makes no sense why you would dream it too, because it's like, why would I dream this? This is like yeah. such a normal, basic, sort of mundane dream.
1: Yeah. And that's only one like example. you're just having regular like conversations. That's happening to me all the time.
2: Uh, yes. I totally get where you're coming from, because that happens to me often too. And it's really hard to distinguish between what has been said and what hasn't. Because sometimes you're, you tell someone... Something that you actually need to tell them. And you like yeah. they acknowledge it. And then in apparently like this normal waking life. It didn't happen. You're you're now, yeah, you're behind on your tasks it's or so weird. information sharing or whatever. It really is. Are there any doctors out there who <laughs> could tell me if I need to go get a brain scan? <laughs> I don't I think it's just living different lives. When we sleep, we yeah. are in another life. Okay. Okay. I have a listener story from a listener
1: who asked us to give them a cool name if we read the story on the podcast. So mm. what should we give? Can I? Okay. This is like my Geraldine. I do like Geraldine. I okay.
2: Why? No, you do it. What well, did you Well, I was going to say
1: like my dream name that I wish I was given when I was a child is Charlie. So I was going to call our listener Aww. Charlie. Okay. I do that. Charlie. Okay. But then if I don't like what happened to Charlie, then I'll... Give the name Geraldine.
2: Then it's Charizard. <laughs> sure, then it's cha- a Pokemon. Then we go into nicknames of Charlie and Pokemon. Yes. Great.
1: Okay. Hello, Corinne, Sabrina, and Leia. In no particular order, I adore you all equally. I think I may have emailed a while ago, but I'm not positive. A brief synopsis, in case I didn't, is that I have never seen anything supernatural, but others experience things around me often. A new fun thing that has been happening is people seeing something standing beside me that isn't there. I say something because I have been told there is a dark aura around me or mass beside me. However, a girl recently said that she saw her dead relative next to me. So it may be a ghost, but it also may not. I should mention that I am a funeral director and see dead physical bodies and their surviving families daily. I never see ghosts or anything like that, but I'll tell you about those experiences around me now one day a woman brought her daughter to the funeral home to make arrangements for her father truly
2: it's just every they do lawn work every single tuesday at this time
1: but it's always at 12 20 maybe we need to start recording at 10
2: yeah we could 30 minutes earlier just so that just
1: so that we're done maybe by 12. we're done by then yeah yeah all right well we have a serial killer and running through a corn maze outside as a background noise for the story yes <laughs> Okay. One day, a woman brought her daughter to the funeral home to make arrangements for her father. The little girl kept smiling at me and I thought she was just shy and being cute. So I would smile back. But then she tapped on her mom's shoulder and pointed to me and said, Papa is smiling at us. Her mom said something about me not being Papa. And the girl corrected her and said, no, Papa is standing next to her. Me being the her. I just smiled and said, that's sweet. And we all kind of chuckled. It was great. Recently, I was attending a service when an elderly woman told me that she had been watching a darkness trail behind me whenever I moved around the chapel. I've always suspected that I had a darkness following me because of my troubles with depression and anxiety. I assured the elderly woman that I was okay and I hope that I didn't disrupt the funeral service for her. I'm still not sure exactly what is around me or if it's me that's putting off the bad vibe. My grandma was a practicing witch of some sort, but I never knew her as she passed away when I was very young. I always thought that she would be a guardian for me, but I get the feeling that she was not really motherly to her children, so maybe she's the darkness that follows me. I am not very spiritual, but I try to be, and I frequent metaphysical shops in my free time. Another curious thing that has happened four times is when I visit a new shop, the owner comes to me and suggests that I look into railroad spikes slash nails for protection. So now I what? own a collection of railroad spikes and nails. That's so interesting. I've never heard of that before. And for four
2: different owners to say that to, Charlie? I know. What does it mean? What is it for? I don't know. What, is, what does it do? We'll have to ask. I mean, real- Or look it up. I know. I immediately think like, oh, the classic like vampires coming for Charlie yeah. and so they get to use it. But that's not the same as a wooden spike. And also that's just not in- totally right for vampires anyway. But. Oh, this is really interesting. Okay. Charlie says, I keep one in my car
1: due to my bad luck with accidents. And since I put it in my car, I haven't had one since. She said, I've been in four accidents in two years. None were my fault and all were total losses for my car. I highly recommend oh recommend railroad spikes. Maybe I need to do that.
2: Yeah. I'm going to keep... And also... If the fact that the the cars were totaled. Thank goodness Charlie's
1: okay. Yeah, I'm gonna keep Serious. on keeping on till the day I don't, and that is perfectly fine with me. I think until you're, the day I don't, <laughs> I'll keep going until I'm no longer. Wait, it's like okay. It's so funny because I feel like our listeners say the funniest things, and we should just have a series of shirts like the one that's like listen to TGOG to drown out the bitches, and then this keep on keeping on until the day I don't. Like that is hilarious. Until
2: the day I don't. I know. We just need like a running Excel list of all these funny things too. So funny.
1: I think your podcast is so fun and I wish I could experience some of the nice encounters you guys talk about. I don't mind if you want to read my story on your podcast. However, please don't share my name because I don't want my friends that listen to know that I know about
2: the ghost. Love you, Charlie. (laughs) Just playing the denial card. Yeah. Just – Oh, my gosh. Although I imagine it would be kind of hard to explain when people are like, why do you keep so many railroad spikes in your car and in your home and in your pockets and jacket? Maybe they're hidden so no one would know. Yeah. Or maybe – oh, I bet you could – have one fashioned into a ring. Oh. Don't you think? And then oh, you can just wear it cool as a ring. Idea. Yeah. That would look sure really cool too. Have, yeah. And then there's your protection. It's on you all, all the time. I'm into that. I'm it's do so that. interesting. We need to look at what this means. What do railroad yes. spikes? We all follow do up with protection. Charlie too
1: and ask. But Okay. I'm so curious. It's really fascinating how Charlie can ex- can feel and sense that there is something following her, but that her being also brings about other spirits. Even though she can't Mm -hmm. see them, and maybe it's her role as a funeral director, I don't know, but the fact that people at the funeral home and during services can see their loved ones around her,
2: right? it's like she's a conduit. It also made me wonder, because she was saying there was something, other people have seen like something dark next to her. I know. And not saying that, that dark equals evil in this scenario, but I'm almost wondering if it's more of like a, what if there's some sort of creature or spirit that we don't understand what it is, but it's, it's there to like help people and heal people. basically like an angel where it like appears dark and scary, but it shows people the reflection of what they need to see, which at the time is and where she works for a lot of people is their past one. Yeah. I
1: don't it's know. It's like a
2: reflection pool of a spirit
1: so it's, to help it's a others heal. What if it's a portal that spirits can come up? She, oh, she is a walking portal. Yes. Apparently,
2: Ooh, I want to. I want to meet Charlie. I want to see what I see. Yeah. What do, What do you see when you're with Charlie? Yes. Whoa. And it also sounds like a lot of people that might not ordinarily see spirits experience stuff when around Charlie. in Charlie's yeah. presence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we'll get lucky enough to meet Charlie one day, and yeah, and keep on until we don't. Until we don't with Charlie. <laughs> all
1: of us together, we will keep on um, keeping on man. until we don't. Until we don't. And um, until you don't, please send us your ghost stories, your encounters with the otherworldly, the supernatural, the aliens, the cryptids, whatever it may be. Email them to us at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com. And also come join us live on Spotify Live every Tuesday for campfire stories at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And you can share your stories mm-hmm. verbally with us and chat with all the cool ghosty pals, the phantoms on spotify live
2: exactly we also have uh social media so you can follow us on all the social media platforms there's facebook group there's discord we have youtube tiktok instagram all that jazz for interview on itunes uh shop our march do the things all the things join the pyramid scheme get lost in the triangle baby get lost yeah yeah what do we there was like one tentacly when we liked I don't remember. This feels like a cow udder. I want to like grab your <laughs> finger and milk it. Milk, milk me milk in the triangle. Milk. Wait, that's weird. Okay. I'm- <laughs> Do you want to milk Sabrina in the triangle? Join our OnlyFans for just ten ninety nine a month. <laughs> Do you want to watch this Corinne feels- milk me in the triangle? <laughs>
1: It feels very, like, in weird, porn, doesn't it? Uh, it's kind weird. You said it. I know. I'm just going with it. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong? You know, sometimes when, like, like, I feel like I'm the type of person where I overthink everything. So, like, when I say things, it's because I've thought about saying it, like, for 10 minutes. But then sometimes I get too comfortable where I forget to, like, process the thoughts and then I just let them come yes. out. And that is to when tuck the little I intrusive say things like that. Thought
2: and Yeah. No, yeah, but that's, I like that. That was good. I liked it. And if anyone stayed till the end, they get that little golden nugget. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, thank you to. We hope to see you on this side. Oh, Aiden
1: Manning, Eric Foster, and the entire team at Upper Digital for dealing with us. Thank you. And editing
2: this podcast. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and we hope to see you on this side. But if we don't, we will see you. See you on, on the other, other side. side.